Comrades and friends, hello. Uh, this is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. Uh, we're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. And we're here again for a court review. Trial, day five. The state versus the auditor of accounts, Kathy McGinnis. Um, Bill, how are you? Day five. Haven't shaved or showered in weeks. GE Robert. GE. So, um, two uh, two witnesses today. One before lunch. One after lunch. Um, there were no uh, limine uh, 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 objections this morning. Uh, I think I think the judge has basically made it clear that he wants a lot of that stuff to happen, like outside the nine thirty to four thirty sort of schedule. Um, you know, there'll still be some. There was still some lengthy sidebars, uh, but nothing. Nothing like we've seen in the first few days of the trial, so that was that was good. Uh, and then the prosecution calls uh, its first witness of the day, uh, who is the 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 owner, founder, uh, whatever of my campaign group and Innovate Consulting, uh, Christy Gross. Um, Bill, uh, what did we get uh, from this uh, testimony? The state called Christy Gross um, because you know she's pretty integral to two of these five counts at least against Ms. McGinnis. And so, you know, listeners recall that it's, uh, it is a crime under Delaware law to basically be a state agency. And I'm gonna, you know, I may butcher this paraphrase, but here's the gist of it. Basically any sort of state issued or state awarded contract that it's going to exceed $50,000 needs to be presented to public bidding. You can't enter it just into a, you know, a two-way street agreement for professional services uh, on the down low if it's to exceed that amount. And related to that, um, individual payments um, as compensation to a person or a group uh, under that uh, public contract, those payments for invoices should not exceed $5,000. So this is the state's attempt to sort of reconcile the boring accounting work that we saw in week one uh, with the with the, the individual whose businesses actually received money for professional services awarded by the auditor's office. So this is the big contract in question. Again, we're not talking millions of dollars. Rob, you like to remind us that that um, Attorney General Jennings last fall said, this case actively involves thousands of dollars. <laughs> you yes. know, we're all we're clutching our pearls, our, our hats are comically popping off. We couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. So I think overall, Christy is uh, Christy Gross's background is in uh, issue campaigning, public policy, some electoral work. Um, my best description of her is policy wonk. You know, back in like, say, the early 2000s, the 2010s, I imagine that, you know, she she may have had a blog that was called like filibusters and frown lines or something. And it was like a deep dive into uh, state and local politics. That's definitely her bread and butter rather than federal politics. You know, I could see her being a poster on like Daily Coast or Vox.com, you know, a little concerned that the Daily Beast is just pulling a the party a little too far to the left. 
that was sort of the vibe I got from her. You know, I think she's sort of a centrist Democrat uh, campaign uh, and issue policy sort of wonk who will contract with politicians kind of around the country on these limited engagements, these limited hangouts, if you will, to um, to basically you know support offices like the auditor of Delaware, governors, um, et cetera. Yeah, what I took from it is, um, you know, she she seems to be uh, a, a, a fairly like a sincere figure. Um, you know, she was just talking to Kathy about professional services, and they actually even brought up the fact that she called the business the first business my campaign group, and that is her. Um, that's actually her initials M. Uh, MCG um, so and but she knew that that was like a little bit like it would just the optics of it aren't great because you don't want to be pay, state shouldn't be paying for campaign services out of state that would be like a private person um, but I mean she, so the optics kind of looked silly but she seemed very sincere I mean the the contract was entered into um, before COVID there were a couple of invoices before COVID that were just like $3,000, like they said. Uh, and then when COVID hit, there was this big effort to um, to get a multi-state task force of auditors together. And again, this is this woman's bread and butter, to get this multi-state task force together of all of these auditors to start auditing like uh, COVID, federal COVID funds. Uh, and she she they sent over... Um, a question to the AG's office to the uh, the lawyer who is in charge of basically giving the auditor legal advice. Um, the lawyer was like, "Well, in this state, the auditor does not have the statutory power to do these kinds of audits." Uh, now, uh, Miss Gross disagreed with that, um, but the, a lot of the work she did was um, was sort of communications and. Um, she was reaching out to other auditors on Kathy's behalf, et cetera, and it seemed all very sincere. I mean, she was just billing stuff, and if there was an issue, you know, she would split up, you know, some of the invoices. So she itemize. I wouldn't say split up because the payments weren't split at that time, but she would itemize the invoices uh, and things like that, and that was uh, that was fine. The the last couple of invoices got really squirrely. Um, there's you know there's some again technical questions like we talked about last week about what constitutes multiple payments, uh, what constitutes splitting payments, but we don't really have to get there. The, the, the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, there certainly wasn't any, uh, any malice or even any, like, even any idea that there was an issue on her side other than she knew she shouldn't be, um, it, it, she knew she shouldn't be taking state money for campaign or electoral services. She did know that. Um, the other weird dynamic, Bill, before we get to the uh, the second witness, is this this did create um, some friction within the department uh, because, as as Miss Gross said, Kathy's plan was to raise the relevancy of the office. So she had a mission, uh, according to Gross, um, to be more you know to get more involved with other states, to be more to, to change the way the office did business. But it was a little bit weird because, you know, she was sort of working with or almost like directing the work of auditors, but it's just a, it's a temporary sort of consultant 
who who's like, we should be doing this and that and the other thing. She like totally bought into Kathy's sort of idea of like just changing the sort of what the auditor's office is. But she's just like this temporary person. So again, sort of like we talked about yesterday, you get these people that are like super eager, but they don't really understand their their like how how things work. And so I, I found that very so there was a lot of friction between. Uh, between her uh, and the office, I think she called it a toxic culture. Um, so she stopped. She once she got paid out on that contract, um, she she no longer uh, you know had any uh, relationship with the auditor's office or the auditor. And again, unlike some of the other folks, they weren't really friends. They were just you know basically colleagues. Um, and and that was that was pretty much that. Um, I think I think that's a pretty good synopsis of of that um, of that one. Uh, uh, again, there's there's some there's some there's some technical stuff about the last invoice that was paid because the invoice was for like eleven, almost twelve grand, like eleven and change. The first payment was nine thousand something, and I think although it was split on the invoice between between regular funds and COVID funds, it hit uh, her hit Miss Gross's account for my campaign group in one like nine thousand and 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 change payment, and then the following month there was. Two thousand dollars overdue, didn't get paid, didn't get paid, and that's that. That is the nineteen fifty that came uh, from PayPal from the from the company's credit card. So there was some technical stuff at the end. Uh, again, it's still kind of up in the air what that means, but um, that was the morning uh, the morning session. Yeah, and um, Rob, you sort of alluded to this, but I think that in addition to sort of the the mechanics of sort of uh, reverse or maybe, hey, auditing this professional services contract. That's why Ms. Gross was on the stand today, but also to provide a peek behind the curtain at the inner workings and the sort of slightly chaotic energy um, that's emitted from the auditor's office in Dover. Um, so I think uh, there was one anecdote. There was one other one. Do you want to talk about the, uh, the, the JFC prep, the budget prep uh, deck? Yeah, I mean, I think this is really, this is an example of sort of like Christie's work ethic and sort of the relationship and how it was strained with Kathy's office. And just, you know, just to provide a really quick version of the timetable, Christie did do campaign services for Kathy back in 2016 when she ran for lieutenant governor. No activity. Basically, Christie went to briefly work for the Mike Bloomberg for president campaign. Um, she was on the front lines of the soda wars. Uh, and the big sugar wars. Uh, and then basically in 2019, Kathy reached out and said, hey, I'd really like you to maybe even serve a couple of big positions, both on a part-time basis in my administration. They basically reached this agreement for professional services. I believe Ms. Gross had just had a kid and kind of wanted to, wanted to work, but wanted to really cap the hours. So I remember her saying that she worked out a formula in her head, I'm going to cap my hours. So this contract really is only going to max out at about $45,000. And because the state was getting sort of the separate pool of money of COVID relief money, that's uh, also contributing to the confusion because Kathy would say pay X amount of Christie's invoice out of the state of Delaware funds, pay the remainder out of COVID funds. And Rob, we don't have to get into it. Some of the, the invoices were also misdated at times and then corrected. The gist of it to me is, yeah, she got paid more than $50,000. This was not a public bidding contract. And also some of the payments far exceeded $5,000. I don't know if the state has demonstrated that to the jury in totally convincing manner yet. Again, kind of boring. Again, we're not talking about uh, a ton of money. 
Um, but yeah, so during the preparations for the joint finance committee hearing that I gave the C minus D plus grade to yesterday, uh, there'd been a, a lot of back and forth because Christy was sort of looking at the, the deck, if you will, for this presentation before the JFC. And Christy's like, all these numbers are effed up. The, uh, you know, her chief of staff, these, the, uh, the sort of auditors and leadership roles, they, they, they've done goofed here. So she pulled like an all-nighter of a weekend to basically correct the data that the auditor's office was relying upon to, um, to basically ask the JSC for more money in the upcoming fiscal year. There was some back and forth with her then chief of staff, Kathy's chief of staff. They're like, all right, well, thank you for identifying these problems. Then the long story short, Christy, all of that work was for naught because before the committee, they went back to the original version of the PowerPoint and basically were using bad numbers, bad finances. Yeah, and so there was a little that that was sort of the like, I guess what was referred to as the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, she had a converse, she had a conversation with uh, with Mr. Van Horn, Thomas Van Horn, when he was the chief of staff in the auditor's office, and they had this sort of late night conversation, nine nine p.m. right the day before the the budget hearing, and he was like, "Okay, I think I can fix some of this," but they never fixed any of it. It went out the way that it was. Uh, it was all jammed up, and she just left to finally like a bad taste in her mouth, and she was sort of done with it. And again, I, I don't think this necessarily was very clear about how it supported some of the criminal charges. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I, I personally don't think it, it, it painted anybody in, in a, a terrible light as far as, like, Christy Gross and her, and her businesses. Um, I, I just think it was she got caught up in a, in a sort of a, what, what she called herself sort of a toxic situation that uh, had some blowback on her. So that's that. Yeah, that, that's that's my takeaway, Rob. It's um, it was kind of neat. She was called as a state's witness, but I had, I made a note today that that Ms. Gross, she kind of wasn't a friendly witness to either either party here. You know, no. she she did say, you know, Kathy and I aren't friendly. Um, it didn't seem like it was a, a really, a, you know, uh, it wasn't like a. Uh, Ms. Bird relationship. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think Christie's moved on. I think that she, uh, you know, I felt a little bit of sympathy for her because it's because uh, her, her business has suffered as a result of sort of bad PR via the Kathy trial. So she did, she did mention that. Um, so, yeah, I think that this was sort of, this was helpful. I think she's instrumental in the state's case, but, uh, but no major fireworks, nothing we didn't really know before. No, the one thing they did present um, as far as, like, trying to sort of tie her to campaign work was Kathy was giving some remarks uh, for the Delaware Democratic Coordinating Committee that, um, you know, once again, I think the office's work and Van Horn's work was a little bit maybe subpar. And so she punched up this, this speech, um, and it was a speech not not— uh, advocating Kathy's reelection, but just like, hey, elect Democrats via this, you know, the state campaign committee, right? Uh, and number one, it's pretty vague that that's like electioneering on her behalf because it's sort of not. And also, she didn't charge for this. This isn't a charge that, that has shown up on uh, any of the invoices. She sort of like when she worked on the on the JFC deck over the weekend. She was just like, I just wanted it to be right. I was just trying to be like professional and helpful. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's electioneering in, in a sense, but I mean, it's not, it's not exactly a strong piece of evidence. Like it's not, it's, it's no smoking gun or anything. 
No. And, you know, final footnote here, and this is for the real heads, uh, you know, the, the Kirsten Walters of the world, the, uh, the dedicated uh, Wikipedia-esque archivers, it, they will remember that there was this like two or three month period, maybe in 2020, maybe 2021, where basically all of Kathy's media dealt with PBMs or pharmacy benefit managers. And it was kind of neat to reverse engineer that and be like, oh, okay, so this was the woman, I guess this is an area of expertise for Christie is sort of like healthcare issue advocacy. Um, so if you go back through the timeline, there was this period of time where just everyone, Kathy, Kathy was just, every post was about PBMs and it was like, well, I am a pharmacist. So here's, this is an area of my expertise. Yeah. I still don't really know what it means though. <laughs> yeah. There, there was some, there was some confusion as to like how many PBMs equals how many pharmacies that got the data, but nobody cares about that. No, not at all. Um, so after lunch, here we go. Uh, and we noticed before lunch, um, the courtroom started to get a little more crowded. Um, friends and family were there for support, and that, that meant to us what we got uh, was the, the call to the stand for direct examination as a state's witness, um, Sailor Elizabeth Sailor McGinnis. Um, the the uh, direct questioning was done by Marie uh, Knoll, uh, another uh, female uh, assistant attorney general, uh, we saw the same when some of the other seasonal casual employees were interviewed by the other uh, female attorney general on the team. And, you know, it's just sort of, I guess, for optics, you know, you have um, a young woman there and, you know, it, it just makes a little more sense. It feels a little more smooth when you have, you know, your, your uh, Marie uh, Noel do the direct examination. Um, I can tell you that this was completely boring. Um, they did bring up a guy... Uh, another another uh, ex-cop who works for the AG's office, John Ziemba, to uh, ver- to authenticate another phone call that the investigators made to Sailor McGinnis. Uh, the phone call was not made by uh, by Ziemba. It was made by another uh, an- another guy whose name I cannot find. Uh, but he was in the room, and the judge actually made sure that he asked. So, uh, Skars- Skaransky, Dave, Dave Skaransky from the AG's office made the call, uh, but John Ziamba was there and could authenticate. And basically, they were trying to reach her, trying to reach her. Finally, uh, about I guess the twenty-first of September, twenty-seventh of September. Oh, that was the yeah, that was the first phone call. So they get a hold of her, and they basically ask her similar questions um, on the phone than that they asked uh, Virginia Bateman. Um, you know, about the car, how much money she made, does, do she, does she remember how she found out about the job, et cetera, et cetera. The only difference with this call was that the investigator said we're investigating felonies, uh, which is different than the original call months before that in June uh, to Virginia Bateman. So it, I think, and she did say um, during her testimony that it did, you know, it Gave her pause. You know, she was afraid uh, when someone when a, when an investigator from the AG's office calls and says they're investigating felonies and they need to talk to you. Uh, you know, it's not it's not a pleasant um, situation. Um, but but all she really did was go down the go down the list of the stuff that she did, um, and it all seemed again perfectly reasonable if you're her. Um, you know, she she did say she had to go in for an interview. There was some question last week about like did 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 they get you know, not have to interview like the other seasonal casual employees did. Apparently, she did have to come in for an interview. Um, she was very vague on like, how did you know you were making seventeen fifty an hour? Who like offered the job to you? 
who, how did you find out about this job? And she was like, I don't remember. Well, I mean, that's sort of beggar's belief. But, but again, like, what's the difference? What, if she would have said my mom told me to apply for it, I don't know whether that would have made much of a difference one way or the other. Um, but the, the work that she did sounded like, you know, they just told her to do stuff. They told her to, you know, go into the spreadsheet and update the contacts on the rows. Um, read this document to make sure there's no typos or, you know, insert some new language into some manual or she would go into Canva, you know, and work on decks or that's how I saw that buffer. When we saw a tweet from Kathy's account today, it says buffer. They use that, this buffer online tool, web-based tool to manage a bunch of different platforms so they can send stuff out to Instagram. They can send stuff out to other platforms all through one tool. They can, you know, they can, uh, they can plan it out and schedule it so it goes out all through the week, so you really only have to work in it like once a week maybe. And so it was just this different stuff that she did. Um, the only time she drove the car, you know, it's, they, they, were, they didn't get a car. They got rights to drive what was assigned to Kathy. And so, again, it's, it's pretty innocuous. Um, and then uh, about... About 3.30, 3.45, so it's, you know, right near about half hour, 45 minutes left in the day, uh, the, the prosecution says they don't have any more questions uh, for Saylor. And Steve Wood gets up, and he was like, Your Honor, I'm going to have to have these marked. He had a stack of papers that was, like, this big. And he walks up, and he's like, well, do you want to get those all marked as one exhibit or separate ones? He's like, well, I'm going to go through them one at a time. And the ch- Judge Carpenter was like, we're going to take a 10-minute recess. And so we took the 10-minute recess, and I came back, and I'm, I'm like, Lex, if, if he starts doing what I think he's going to do, I'm, I'm going to catch the 4 o'clock bus. And it was exactly that. It was like every email that got sent um, to her personal email, like say when she was in school, she, she goes to uh, the College of Charleston, the Chanticleers, go Chanticleers. Um, it was like, hey, can you update this spreadsheet? Hey, can you do this work? Hey, can you do that? So it was just like rapid fire, all of these different things she was doing just to basically prove as, as he wrapped up while I was there, you know, did you, even though you banked hours from the time you worked at the state fair, which is a, a, one of the, the key things they keep talking about is setting up this booth at the state fair, giving out information about the auditor, making the auditor more, you know, visible. And again, this is the way that this is uh, explained is just trying to, Get from the from the Wagner era to like this new era where you're going to do new stuff, and the only you know she was told to bank her hours because she worked them, and then she just she just you know charged the hours that she worked before. So really, I mean the 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 the, the sailor McGinnis testimony was, um, yeah, it was very similar to the Virginia Bateman testimony. It's just like these are just two kids who got the job. The fact that. They got to do, and, and again, they, they talked about staffing Kathy. Um, the fact that they got to do staffing Kathy and the other seasonal, uh, temporary, seasonal, uh, casual employees basically just got to be treated like shit and answer the phones and, like, not talk to. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not really, you know, first of all, it's not her fault. She's just going, her mom said, get this job, and she's doing the job. So, yeah, I don't know how much the jury is going to get out of this. Um, like, again, it was just another indication that it seemed pretty, like I said, pretty pretty weak in the grand scheme of things. Um, 
so yeah, that's 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 where we are, and that that's where we ended the day. Um, I don't know if, uh, if she's going to be on the stand any further tomorrow morning, uh, or we're just going to move on. There was some indication today that there will be uh, some applications tomorrow morning to to limit or or um, exclude some further uh, prosecution witnesses and or testimony. So that's where we're at. So within the four corners of the indictment, it doesn't sound like the state may have convinced the jury that Kathy afforded Sailor benefits that were not available to other state employees. Yeah, I mean, it was cer- they certainly weren't available to the other casual seasonal employees. I think that's clear. But, I mean, is the difference so stark that the jury is going to, are, are they going to be able to say that? Like, okay, well, here's, here's two casual seasonal employees that we, that, that we uh, brought to the stand the first day or two of the trial. They were making less. They had to split their time. You know, uh, Sailor and, and Virginia, because they're besties uh, from, you know, uh, Henlope and Acres or whatever, they got to work together. Where, if you remember last week, Bill and I telling you that um, uh, Marie, uh, whoops, um, Rose, Rosaline uh, Maurice and uh, uh, Elizabeth Mary Vargas um, had to split their time. So one of them worked Monday, Wednesday. One of them worked Tuesday, Thursday. They split Friday, whatever. Um, they didn't have Virginia and, and, and Sailor didn't have to do that. Um, well, you know, know, some say it takes two to tango. I say it takes two to staff Kathy. Def- at least two. I mean, there's no question about it. So, yeah, I mean, so there was definitely, I mean, to the, to the language within, within the confines of that charge in the indictment, I suppose they can make that argument, like the argument that I just made. Now, if that's going to, if that differentiation uh, means anything, if, if they've demonstrated that um, with, with enough uh, evidence to the jury, you know, time will tell. Yeah, and, you know, just uh, this reminds us that nepotism in Delaware is not a crime. Uh, nepotism in situations like this involving elected official or appointed officials, uh, because if if that were a crime, we'd see a lot a lot of indictments like this. <laughs> that we'd be in Dover uh, bi-monthly, Rob. Yeah, we'd have to we'd have to we'd have to get ourselves like a we'd have to go in like uh, like like they do in D.C. and all go in on like one apartment so we have like a crash pad down there because we'd be there quite we'd be there quite a bit. Yeah, we could have like yeah, like a Kent County like odd couple house, like where I'm the tidy one, you're the one who's like <laughs> I'm the slob. You're slob. It's like, can you please just crack a window if you're gonna do that? <laughs> Susan and Jess don't get mad at all. They're actually sort of enjoying their free time at home. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's hope it doesn't get to that. Yeah, oh, it's the, the Delaware call Dover Bureau. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so so again, I wasn't there this afternoon. Doesn't sound like it was super exciting. I mean. You know, I was sort of nervous for Kathy's daughter just because this seems like it could be an emotional or, you know, a, a charged experience. But it sounds like she was pretty cool, calm, and and there weren't any, uh, you know, there no fireworks, right? No, no fireworks. I mean, the, the family was a little – you could feel like not only did more of the family turn up to support uh, Sailor and Virginia Bateman was there, um, but you could feel that they were – even more uh, concerned for her, probably because of her age. She's like, I mean, she's twenty, she looked like a kid, and so yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was kind of palpable. Um, but but as far as the testimony, as far as you know, what came out, um, you know, again, what I like, that's what I said. You know, it's it's there. 
you know, if, if you look close enough, you can see what what's going on. But again, nepotism's not a crime. And yeah, I mean, just because their jobs paid a few dollars more and were a little f- more fun, you know, and they got to work together because they're friends or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, if that's if 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 you're gonna point to the crime that you've outlined in the indictment and say that's the evidence of that crime, I mean, I I, I suppose it is, but uh, I mean that's you know the the jury's gonna have to to weigh in on that, and I I have no idea what they're gonna do. So what's it look like for tomorrow? We'll be back for a full day. We got one and a half days remaining this week. Correct. So tomorrow, uh, I mean, we still haven't. Uh, there's a couple other names that have come up, like in the in the staff. Uh, this woman, uh, Miss Horsey, I think is her name. Uh, there was a few others, but again, I think we're going to see we're going to see some arguments. Or may, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing unless it gets sorted out between the council tonight, we'll see some arguments tomorrow about you know limiting some of this testimony. Um, we haven't seen the uh, the investigators up except to um, except to give credence to some recorded. Uh, audio of, of phone conversations um, so I don't know if we're going to see them uh, but by the end of the week I think that, that the end will be in sight um, I don't, the, the end game um, you know it could be drawn out a little bit because there will be I'm sure again there will be a lot of applications and motions after both council rest uh, and, and even after the, the closing arguments uh, I suspect because of the nature of this and it's kind of complicated uh, or convoluted, I should say. Um, I, I think that the jury instructions are going to be a little bit complicated and more lengthy than they may have otherwise been. It's sp- sort of speculation on my part. I was talking to Lex about this today. Um, but, you know, fingers crossed that um, we're, we're nearing the business end and, and, uh, and sometime next week, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to talk about uh, a result. I can't wait. I, I really, really can't wait. Um, a lot. Some other things have happened. I'll, I'll give you guys some teasers. You know, I, I don't want to talk about it too much right now. We, we really ran over yesterday because of some of the bombshell testimony that came out. So we're going to cut it off today, um, and just know that we have other things in the works around this uh, for further updates, more analysis, maybe some bonus episodes. Um, so stay tuned, everyone. And uh, if you can, you know, go on the Patreon, hit us up, show us a little love. We're 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 really I think we're starting to make some traction uh, for, for reasons that I'm not going to go into right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, do whatever you can to support us because uh, people seem like they're, they're liking this stuff, and, and we certainly like doing it. Uh, but, you know, a little support will, will help us continue to do it uh, into the future. So, uh, Bill, I'll see you first thing tomorrow morning, bright and early. That sounds good. Yeah, just to echo Rob, uh, you know, Carl and Rob have been doing a really cool thing here Uh locally and they've been doing it for about 200 episodes i believe so yeah please throw them a few bucks uh support on patreon uh if you become a subscriber uh to either patreon or through stitcher premium you get these episodes the day before the public gets them so we're actually going to be talking about uh the day of the trial the day before it comes out uh we've got marty on it and marty basically marty works with his buddy doc to travel Back to the future so we can get these out so carl can basically put this on the rss feed so i know it sounds a little confusing bottom line it's five bucks uh it's the cost of a, a fancy sweet tea uh so uh carl and rob thank you as always for letting me sit in and we'll see you tomorrow 
Yep. See you tomorrow. Left is best.